Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. Do 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 I mean, the funny thing about our podcast in general, I keep lamenting, is like so many decisions were made in the first like day that we decided to do it. That and that's it. <laughs> that are, that's the name. That's kicking the around for yeah. a year and a half. The tune, name, the like icon, which is like just a gradient, but because we wanted to have us, a, a it's not a gradient. It's a, it's a close up of the sun. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a crop. Oh, I, yeah, it's a crop of the actual sun. But then yeah. you use it as the sun on our SoundCloud page. But then iTunes doesn't have a background image of water, and so people don't know it's the sun. Well, now you know. But that's all the the folklore around. Yeah, <laughs> that's the whole story. That's how good companies are made: you make a decision and just run with it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's I guess true. the name is Google. <laughs> I think that's how we ended up with the culture we live in today. It's just like a bunch of people making decisions. Yeah, that'll work for a while. And then eventually it's like 100 years later, it's like, why did we make that decision? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Guns, the right to bear arms. I get it. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. So how are you? What's up? Um, I have been sketching, making new websites. That's been the main, uh, that's my job now. For the next few but months. But that's torture for you, websites. isn't it? Yeah, but it's been good. Yeah. Mm, mm, good. Um, I myself have uh, been sort of doing some fun stuff on the side. I had myself uh, photogrammetrically... <laughs> photo... The, I had myself scanned in 3D, but use, using photogrammetry, uh, uh, which is like... Because it's so important? No, I actually did... Uh, I'm doing it for a project. I, I've done it before, not for myself. I had Kristen scanned for a, a project where we made her pregnant in VR last year. And then I was asked to do like sort of like a greeter application kind of for um, like an augmented reality greeter thing for a show at the this show I'm doing at the MZA. Like they asked me to do one more thing. They're like, hey, you do augmented reality. Uh, could you do something like to activate the front of uh, the museum? And I thought what would be great at a museum is if you had a Walmart greeter. Um, like because it makes you feel welcome, yeah. Uh, and museums have this like kind of stodgy, you know, unwelcoming feel. So you don't I could understand. Be out on the street. You, you don't understand the branding of luxury items. You you have to feel uncomfortable. <clears throat> I know, I know. Yeah. So I, I, you know, but you know that I work against that. So I yeah. thought, well, if I'm just like a crass like salesman on the street, uh, that would be really funny. <laughs> so you guys opted for AR or for projection? We're going to do it with AR, yeah, on an app. Um, anyway, to do that, I have to scan that, myself. Uh, um, I'm always the grumpy one, but who's going to download an app for the museum before they enter the museum? That's right. Who's going to do it? Yeah, so it, because I like at airports, they have these semi-transparent cut-out shapes of a human, and then they project on that. Yeah, I know, I know. So I think that would be much better. Yeah, but this is going to be so compelling. <laughs> It's cheaper, I, right? That's why. I, yeah, like ge generally speaking, I was like, no one's going to use this. So I, it's just going to be a URL um, like that's very easy to remember. I think it's going to be, uh, I better not say it, someone will buy it. Um, yeah. And then uh, it, there will be um, like no friction. You open the app and it just works. <clears throat> um, but I mean, I still anticipate only like a few people will use it. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because back in the day when people thought that the iPad would be, uh, apps would be the way to go for publishing. Mm -hmm. Remember, everybody was like, oh, we're going to make these rich magazines with the, a video loop on the cover instead of still photography and et cetera. Right, right, right. It didn't work out that way. It turned out that Instagram is the new magazine. But um, it's always these people who make decisions in companies are a bit older and they read in some article, oh, uh, the iPad is the new platform for publishing, so we're going to allocate some budget for that. And then they create the daily, uh, whatever that newspaper was that was iPad only. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then some kids are like, no, that's not going to work. We're just going to focus on Instagram. And then, uh, yeah. So yeah, don't you Tumblr have a responsibility as a, as a younger person to say, hey, guys, nobody's <laughs> going to download this app? Uh, I mean, I said that, but then the show is all about technology and it's called, you know, I was raised on the okay. internet. It's that show I've talked about previously. And so I think like having to download something at a show about the internet, 
I mean, at the very least, there's like some commentary in that. I'll work something into the script to okay. the regards of like, oh my god, you downloaded it, thank god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, can li- I can live. But, like, but it, it, it's a similar thing to when a museum wants to do an online exhibition, and it's like, well, I, I already have a website. People yeah. can see the work there. The thing that you have is this beautiful white rooms, so that's what mm-hmm. I... It, there's no plus in... Well, this is outside the museum, and it's in also an out-of-home advertising. So if you're at a subway station, I'll also be able to like, pop up and okay. talk about things. Okay. Um, in a way, I think of it as like, if it was a link to a YouTube video, it'd be the same thing. In fact, I'm, it's basically... What I wanted to do originally, and this gets us into today's topic, I think, was I wanted to do volumetric video. Like, you, you know in the, in the new Blade Runner movie when the billboard, like the woman walks out of the billboard? Yeah. I was like, what if that was me? That was also in the Back to the Future when they have an advertisement for Jaws Part 23. Yeah. And the big hologram shark attacks uh, Michael J. Fox and he's all scared because he's never seen that before. Yeah. So I was really, I'm really excited about that utopian aesthetic or that idea that advertisements would come to life, jump out. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, I would like these ads to bother me more. Yeah, like it's no one wants this, but so that's why I love it. I think it's really human and interesting that we keep pursuing this like crazy bad idea. Yeah, like, <laughs> like in, in in Japan, it's very common that there's audio ads that there's people yelling either from a truck, not just Japan, but I think all of Asia. It's very normal mm-hmm. that a truck drives by and just blasts either political ads or products or whatever, but that you use audio. And yeah, we had, listen, we, we had a listener. We had a listener do that. Yeah, but we've kind of learned uh, agreed in the west that okay the billboards can be as loud visually as you want but they can't make sounds right yeah but then we've you know we've all seen like minority report where like he's walking through the mall and the ads like are like hi uh, the personalized Tom Cruise, yeah. like how are you yeah yeah so i don't know i just like i've always worked with advertising in my work and i and, and brand and, and thinking about like how a museum show advertises itself, I was like, I really actually don't have time to do this project, but I couldn't say no. But it, it also, like, being in, getting myself scanned really got me thinking about, and a few other events, like, I had, my nephew was born uh, last week, I mean, thinking about uh, photography. And because, like, the way I was scanned wasn't, like, with lasers or something, it was with photogrammetry, which is, like, just a matrix, like a, a sphere of cameras, just SLR cameras, like, surrounding my body, just snapping a bunch of pictures and then, and then building so like, a it, texture and a model from that. And um, a 3D scan is just a volumetric uh, approximation of, of your mass, and mm-hmm. this photographic 3D is both, or, or is there's no volu- volumetric information? Yeah, yeah, it's volumetric as well. So like, It's by not just SLRs. At- yeah, by looking at like the different photos, the computer can like calculate depth because oh, okay. of the way the pixels shift. Yeah. Like because the way you know, just the way like our eyes perceive depth, right? You don't you, you perceive depth because of the variation but between But w- when you think of 3D, you think of a, a wireframe and then a texture. Um yeah, and that's what this is, that's what you get out of it. But it starts with a photo, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um and it, and it it kind of uh, analyzes the photos and then makes a 3D model and then adds the te- sticks the textures on top of that 3D model. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about like 3D modeling generally was something that was like handcrafted. If you think about it in the history of art, it's really interesting because we've talked about this previously too, where it's like, you know, with painting as an example, painting had to reinvent itself when photography came along because it was no longer about like how closely you could represent reality. The same thing's been true in 3D modeling generally, where like there were artists, like artisanal people, like crafting the perfect 3D model in 3D software. And then along comes this like new technology, not just depth cameras, but then photogrammetry. And photography again is like, no, sorry, uh, craftspeople, <laughs> you're out of work. Like in one second, we'll just like take a hundred shots. Yeah, and, it, it's funny how that we, I, it, I was in an art school in Maastricht in the south of the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And they were one of the last schools with a medical illustration department. So mm. it, it was a department where they still had to learn to draw from life as uh, exact as possible. And that handmade illustrations of anatomy and the inside of the body of different organs was still better than photography. And uh, it, mm. It's such a mush, the body inside, that if you try to photograph it, it's very hard to learn where the kidney stops and the liver begins or whatever. So... Just exaggerating things by a human is uh, mm-hmm. something that... So 
there's still yeah i mean as good a camera as you invent there will always be a photographer who uses the camera more interestingly than another yeah but this is where the good point kind of uh you know starts to emerge is that a word interestingly more interestingly or more interesting if you if you'd like it to be a word i I think it's fine i want to propose (laughs) call the oxford dictionary yeah yeah uh, but like when I was in grad school, I was there at a time where photographers were still debating. This is in the mid two thousands. Were debating like whether they should go digital or not. Digital had already been like digital SLRs have been around. For well, yeah, but also at the time, digital um, the color depth was not there yet. Yeah, but anyway, like that and that debate still kind of exists, but barely. Um, and so you know, it's and, but the debate they were making at the time was that the camera itself had certain qualities and it wasn't it was like even between yeah. digital cameras but what's, you know. what's funny about uh, these ideological discussions is that in the end you see the work and then you feel oh I'm more drawn to this or to that and there's no mm-hmm. some people no like, like chocolate and some people like strawberry and you get to pick mm-hmm. your flavor it's, it's no big deal but at a certain point, like not taking a digital photo is like a is almost like a political act. It's because I will say this. You have to like find. I will the say film this that um, I think Daniel Keller wrote a tweet that it's uh, it sucks for our generation that as we get older the resolution gets higher. <laughs> <laughs> so I I do think you you can have all kinds of ideology about workflow and chemicals and waste and all that stuff, but. I will say that analog photography is a lot more forgiving of blemishes in the skin, and it it, it makes you look more handsome. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can argue. You can add filters to digital later, but in general, like an SLR with a long lens jammed into your face, it's horrifying. <laughs> it it really is not uh, flattering. Or maybe new like like when of you beauty. see when you see old photos of of uh, musicians or writers or the surrealists getting together, and it's a grainy mm-hmm. black and white photo. Yeah. Your mind can make them a lot more... Char- the same way when people wear sunglasses, they mm-hmm. automatically look more handsome because you will imagine their eyes to look better than they actually are. So, oh, is that why? I, mm. I think the same thing is... It, it makes the face more symmetrical as well. And mm-hmm. so I think digital... F- I mean, I guess you have all those weird uh, Asian face filters um, that you look like a manga character. That's what. Yeah. That's the new way of making you more handsome. Yeah. Well, I was watching a documentary last night about Hedy Lamarr. Do you know Hedy Lamarr? No. She was like a famous uh, like bombshell actress in the 1930s and 40s. Okay. And, you know, was the most beautiful woman on the planet for a period of time uh, from Austria. But she was the Hollywood. Jeremy Bailey of her time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, like, but I was commenting that, like... Um, about, you know, like, yeah, the camera must have been so forgiving. And but Kristen was like, no, no, no. Like, she just had, like, incredible skin. I was like, well, how do we know? Like, you know, well, I know, I know that the- Warhol would put, like, half an inch of makeup on people for those kind of photos and extremely high contrast and overexposed to make people more handsome. Well, like, what was interesting, though, in this documentary is that Hetty became uh, a, rec- a bit of a recluse um, because, uh, apparently, anyway, like, she was ashamed. And she was she pioneered plastic surgery as well. So she was, like, the first, one of the first people to, like, get plastic surgery and then also suggested ideas to the doctor that are now commonplace, like, put the scar behind my ear and stuff like this. Mm. She was a very brilliant woman. In fact, she also yeah. invented um, uh, signal hopping, which is, like, you know, Bluetooth radios and like Wi-Fi and mm. uh, I don't know, military communication is all built on this patent that she invented. <laughs> she, she sounds like a weird Bond villain. She, yeah, well, she's like just she was just an incredibly smart, um, amazing woman. The documentary is mostly about how her beauty was like all anyone would talk about. But ultimately, like, you know, the content of her character was much more than that. And she was like incredibly smart. But the world can only like could only understand her as this like you know, this beautiful photo from when she was like 20. I'm thinking about it as well, because like photography, like you said earlier, like as the resolution gets better, as we get older, like ultimately like taking photos of yourself, I've noticed myself taking less photos of me, but then uh, my nephew was uh, born and, um, and I was in the first conversations that I had with my sister uh, we're around like, well, how can I take a photo and how should I share this or can I share this photo? And of course, you can't share the photo. Um, 
and and just talking about this this baby's rights to their own image. And yeah. you know, like Hedy Lamar also like you know, her right to her own image as she got older. I think it's, it's I guess a, that's it's a where, where Snapchat is convenient. Uh, things disappear. Yeah, so um, that's that's probably why ephemeral photography came around. And and but like getting myself photo like scanned photogrammetrically, I it's the most intimate thing I could have done. Um, unless I I mean I could have done it nude or whatever, I guess. Um, and actually asked Kristen to do it more nude than I was, but I was wearing my short shorts and things like that. But like the detail level was much, much higher than I'd ever get in a photo. And I wonder in the future where the tolerance will be for detail, like, um, like, and intimacy around how we well, document that, I, I, our yeah. early selves. I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think early on photography was competing with painting. Yeah. And then of course everybody had arguments. It's like, no, a painting captures many moments in one and can be a, a a distillation of many time units and uh, photography is just a snap. Uh, that's one of the arguments for painting. But I guess now... Well, that's an interesting point, though. Uh, but uh, then you... So you can compress time uh, in a painting or in a drawing or in a man-made mm-hmm. image. But that's... Uh, what I'm trying to get at is that photography is not photography anymore. It's in, You can combine as many images as you want and... You can have a source image that's very high res, but you can decide that low res is charming and it, it's a malleable material. So it's kind of uh, somewhere between collage and painting and, and everything mm-hmm. at once. It, it, we don't think of a photo anymore as uh, the decisive moment. Well, this is the thing that I think is really interesting right now, which is that like photography had like disrupted painting. And then the argument was, well, actually, painting can do all these things that photography can't do. But in this present moment, you're seeing this explosion of different types of photography. So photogrammetry, I mentioned, um, but like there are now like drones with cameras on them. And then this week, like um, Snapchat or Snap, as it's called now, um, released a second version of its Spectacles product, which is just a pair, which is a pair of glasses with a camera. Um, and video recording actually only had video recording and now it has a camera and it like creates videos in the circular form like a specialized format yeah which which is really geared towards sharing it and then it disappears but also when you share like the format that they invented is interesting so it has this like cropped um, image I haven't actually used this or seen anyone post it it but you can look around VR yeah remember those QuickTime VRs that you could watch on the desktop because you can look around a little bit, like you can kind of peek around the corners, yeah. and you can like change your phone orientation so that it's always right side up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I I find it interesting that we're finding new places to sneak cameras into our life, and and for photography to like find yeah. it's no longer about like representation; it's about different it, ways. It of, almost of feels of like presenting. It's, or you're really creating a second reality that then has to be photographed again. And and when I say when it has to be photographed, it, it, it it basically means you have to decide what, which ones you want to keep. So you, yeah. you're creating, there's the world, and then you photograph it infinitely, and then you decide what goes on your social media. That's kind of an editing decision. And then you decide what goes in the exhibition, like the best yeah. of. But we can't really think, when you think of a, this is one of the key things that I find interesting, is that we used to think of a photographer as someone who, who creates images, but now we think of someone mm-hmm. who creates a stream because it, if I um, if I'm following someone's Instagram and I'm really enjoying their feed and like oh this is a really interesting sequence of events and a sequence of moments and then if you go back and look at the images individually they're kind of powerless they they don't do anything mm-hmm. but it's it's the update and like in the morning seeing the refreshed and it's yeah so that. That's a weird entity, a feed. So you think of a feed as an image or a feed as a... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, a lot that, of people That's a very it. non-traditional approach to... I don't... I don't rem- I can't mm. recall anything in art history that maybe it did exist, periodicals and all these things, but... I think you're right in terms of like a literal media format, but... The but tr- I'm sure what, what, I mean, like what I mean is that uh, art history students and exhibition makers and artists have always been taught to look at images for a long time and study them and, and that an image has to persist. Mm-hmm. So you think mm-hmm. of, of Manet and then you can look at those compositions and what they meant at that moment and it... It, it's it's trapped and it's it will forever be there and it's, the pigments mm-hmm. are trapped and it's it's eternal, yeah. and then you're in a gallery and you're seeing these things, but your phone is actually uh, 
asking you, hey, why don't you look at me for a while? And it's yeah, actually yeah, more yeah. interesting than the exhibition. Well, I mean, I've but I've always thought just to like double back on your point um, that it maybe has existed when people refer to an artist's body of work. And I really don't believe like yeah, that's everyone thinks this way. That part of the energy of the work doesn't uh, stay in art history. Like that's mm -hmm. that's something of a ghost. Like we we remain. When you think of Mondrian, uh, his work was always in relationship to other works in his studio, and mm -hmm. then you see it in a museum, and you just see one isolated painting. Yeah, I never think that's a great way to see it. In fact, I think people are always are let down by the individual image that we talked about this in the last podcast because you know because people spend only 15 seconds with any individual image in a museum. Um, that the at least for me a lot of richness and wealth comes from the accumulated kind of stack of images and life and history um, that I build out into a caricature which I would call an artist's body of work in my own understanding of it. But um, ultimately like you know I wanted to tell a story about um, GoPro because that's like one of the like camera companies that really like shook things up in an interesting way and it sounds cheesy in relationship to Montreal or like Monet or something like that but like uh, the founder of GoPro was like a surfer um, and he was like noticed that like all the surf videos that he and his friends would like hang out and look at and by the way when I was a kid I loved watching surfing videos or windsurfing videos actually but he noted that they are always from the beach But, like, the way he experienced surfing was, you know, like, in the wave or on the wave, on the water. And you know, I know this sounds, like, super basic, but he's like, what if we put the camera <laughs> on the board, right? I just or blew your person. mind. <laughs> I know. It's like, but, it like, no, just, the like, best ideas from sound the very obvious in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. And so that was the like genesis of GoPro. And they went through different prototypes of getting like it on the board, but then they decided it was better on a helmet. What if the internet uh, was on, the on your phone? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But what it What done, do you mean? Mobile GoPro... web page? No, the internet. The whole internet. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it is real. It's like, like a, a moment in like a, a Facebook movie or it, something. It like is that. interesting. Like I, I I totally agree that the GoPro is a great idea and but it, then Apple takes it one thing further. It's like, what if you could get your text messages while you're surfing? It's like, no, that's not why I'm surfing. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. But you know what GoPro wanted to do after that, right? So th they did that, and then they're like, okay, we're losing market share to all these people that are copying our cameras because it's such a great idea, right? Everyone's doing this. A new, whole new category of cameras, right? And remember, the idea was just HD cam like video that was like thoughtless, that autofocus, like did everything automatically, just but still press looked record. great. That's it. Just press record, yeah. Um, and then they're like, okay, actually, the future is going to be drones. Uh, and it's going to be like cameras that like follow you around and like record things that you don't even know you want to record. And, you know, and I can see how they made that leap of uh, thought. Um, but it's actually conceptually, I think, a bridge too far for people. Yeah, um, um, it's one of those things that sounds cool in a meeting, but then actually, do you really want to walk around with this? insect <laughs> behind you that is looking at you when you go to the bathroom well yeah like so in, but i'm i guess the point i'm trying to make is in the last 10 or 15 years there's been actually like about there's been like dozens of revolutions in photography um it's kind of hard to keep up uh, up and notice that they're actually having effects on the ways we view ourselves yeah. and we think about the, our reality one interesting point also is that uh There, there are paradigm shifts in photography. So for me, the micro four thirds or this, the mirrorless, it basically SLR qu quality in a portable camera. I, mm -hmm. That sounds so exciting because you're using your phone all the time and SLR is mm -hmm. a bit too big. So you're like, oh, I'm going to buy a, a, I need it anyway to document my work. So I bought a yep. Sony, uh, uh, I don't know the name, but like a pretty good wide angle and almost full frame. Yeah. And then you have the camera and then you're like, Well, is my life interesting enough to photograph? <laughs> and so it's the same with GoPro. Like someone will give you a GoPro. It's like, well, I don't know how to surf. So it's mm -hmm. almost like the camera uh, obliges you to have a really cool life. Well, about like five or six, maybe it was four years ago, I bought <clears throat> from another artist uh, um, a 4K um, four-thirds camera. Right, And I was going to like, I'm going to shoot all my video in 4K. I'm gonna like only use this for my photos. Well, I think um, you have a direct uh, usage of uh, video in your work that it justifies buying equipment. 
Yeah, but like that, so that 4K camera though, like I don't, I sell, I did use it for a little while, but like then my phone actually started, was able to do 4K. My phone was able to shoot better photos than it. Um, and I find like recently I have the iPhone 10 and this is not a, an ad for Apple, but it was like, I've been taking photos of like just in portrait yeah, mode. Yeah. And this portrait mode is hilariously good. <laughs> like, <laughs> And you can edit so, things immediately. It's so good that people are like, ask me or urge me to send me the photos I take of them with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I basically now only use portrait mode. <laughs> and there's, you know, the, there's, there's the also, old expression yeah. is the best camera is the camera that you have in your pocket, right? Or that you have with you. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that's where we are. That's what GoPro is also like leveraging I, as well. I, I was into photography uh, maybe from age 14 or something. Mm-hmm. Which was, it was expensive at the time. So my dad had an SLR, but then you needed a roll of film. And like five bucks is a lot when you're 14. Yeah. And getting it developed and all that stuff. So you would really think about the photo you take. And then I would go around the neighborhood and like find interesting compositions. And it, which was weird anyway. When you're 14 to take photos because you like the angle of the light is kind of faggy. And your friends are like, what the fuck is that? And it's like, well, I like the texture. And like, oh, lame. And it, so... That approach to photography, when you're really formally uh, exploring photography, and then I started doing some classes and uh, developing my own. Uh, I had a, I created a dark room in the basement and uh, photo paper and chemicals, all that stuff. Point being, that period of my life, all the photos I have of me and my friends and my family are very beautiful. I don't have many photos, but each photo mm-hmm. is is. Um, like, you would want to hang it on the wall and look at it for a long time. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And then I'll look at the photos of the last five years, and a lot of the photos are funny or interesting, but none of them like, have that uh, level of uh, the concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought, oh, maybe I should invest in a really nice camera. But that there's something very... Um, it feels very against the time to focus on a single image and make it perfect Mm. but you know what uh you're you're also like reminding me of is like you know the best photographer friends i've had have always told me that it's not a i mean a you have to learn to see right like so photography is also the art of like yeah but but my my point is that learning to see and trying too hard can uh come across as uh, oh trite yeah yeah like it, it it feels so of another time no, no, I hear what you're saying. Like, you know, like uh, almost like emo or something. But then this, but the second thing that every photographer says, though, definitely is like it's about taking a large volume and editing. So good photographers are actually yeah. just good editors. Yeah. Just like yeah. good videographers are good. Yeah, editors. like I'll, I'll see photo exhibitions and the, like someone shooting a photo of a, a celebrity at the time, and you see the context sheets, and they took maybe 400 photos to get to an album cover. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's funny when you. And, when an artist has to t- have their portrait taken and they, they, the photographer takes three photos and you're like, oh, this is not going to come out good. <laughs> but I think that's how the way, the, you know, the difference, how Instagram or something like that gets away with stories versus your like actual, you know, feed. Like no one just posts anything in their 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 normal album there. They're like, each one is like hand selected. <laughs> um, and then stories or like, you know, what, what Snapchat invented are more ephemeral and they're like, well, they, this they, is just they like keep, life happening. They keep uh, removing the pressure of a single image so you, f- you feel more spontaneous. The question is whether the, as we remove that pressure, as we remove the eye from, and you know, from the process uh, and it's just like the feed or like live casting, um, whether... Uh, the aesthetic or any aesthetic decisions are being made by us or whether they're all being made by the technology and the camera. I think that that's like one of my questions for yeah, today. Yeah, like how much influence podcast. does the photographer still have? Yeah, like when I brought up GoPro, like just pressing record, okay, well... But like, then it's the decision like, okay, I'm going to uh, go on the top of the mountain at, at 8 p.m. because the light will be interesting and I'm going to wear mm-hmm. this outfit and I'm going to have these friends in the frame. Like those right. are, it, Because when you remove the choices of... The technical choices. The, the technical choices, then you can uh, decide more like, oh, I'll wear a wig and I'll wear uh, whatever. Hmm, interesting. I mean, because I was thinking about the Snapchat spectacles again, which is a pair of sunglasses that, that record. And yet, but you still have to press a button, right? Um, Google also came out with a camera oh, yeah. um, 
called the was it the moment or something? Yeah, this is and, like, and, and so it's it's just always filming, but the AI decides what to keep. Yeah, exactly. And this is a little camera you place in your so life. It's, it's clear that we're it's on like, a tra- no, it's called trajectory a co- it's called of, of just the God view of someone, some omnipotent being that knows everything and has taste and it just follows us around and then makes us look cute. Well, this is the thing. Like, so it's, I think it's actually called the clip, but like, that's the, like, Google represents this potential trajectory. Well, Google which is, is like already where... this all knowing oracle. It's like, <clears throat> Google, what's the origin of time? <laughs> Right, right. But I'm just thinking, like, when I got myself again, like, photogrammetri- photogrammetrically scanned. They need a what if the whole world term was, for that, though. What if, well, what if the whole world was always being scanned, right? And you could That's choose any point yeah. of view. Yeah. This is like the, the Minority Report precog thing. It's a bit cheesy for the those who have, are cringing at my sci-fi speculation. But what you if, know like, what? Maybe we just are cringy people. It's okay. If you don't like it, just turn the podcast off. We're well, there's corny this, people. There, a few years ago, there was a co- company called Lytra that came out with a camera called the Lytra or whatever. And it, it used light field uh, recording uh, to record not just the light, but the direction of the light, of the photon. And therefore, this camera can refocus after it takes a photo. It can even like, you can even kind of shift the perspective slightly because it's not measuring the light as a, as a point in space, as a point like on a flat plane. It's measuring it as a vector in space, which sounds like it's actually really hard for me to even uh, conceptualize that. Yeah. But I know that you know, like, like that in itself, imagine, you know, if you just so, expand yeah, on that so idea. So photography is more like you're just uh, pumping oil out of the ground and later you can decide if it's kerosene, or, or, uh, if it's for an airplane or for a car. And uh, Yeah, well, you mentioned Google earlier and John Raffman kind of famously did this Nine Eyes project um, quite almost a decade ago now where he would, as if, you know, called himself a photographer and he would just stroll around on yeah, Google yeah, that's Street exactly Beats. It. On Google Street View and and like grab stills of like what had occurred, what had been captured by chance by Google's Nine Eyes camera. Yeah, like the um, amount of raw material is so vast that the the editing is really the creative act. Yeah, exactly. So it, yeah, it really comes down to this thing. Like in the future, if everything was always recorded constantly, what is the job of the photographer? Is it to find? Yeah, and then you um, get to, into this that? area between curating and and making. Well, it's also really ironic because then it's like, if everything's being recorded all the time, like, why would a human go and look for the image? Why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't a, a computer do that job? Like, because essentially it's like <laughs> the the human going through the files, like the Nine Eyes project with John Raffman is as laborious as John flying to California, like walking down to the beach and taking a photo, yeah. right? Um, well, it, it, theoretically. Yeah. I, I do this thing with my photos that... Um, I'll go back three years later to the folder of that year, and then I'll save about 40 to 50 photos each year, which is still mm-hmm. quite a lot. But I really th- strongly believe if you save more than 40 photos, you'll never look at them. And, right. Um, and it's interesting when you go back and you're like, you could, there's many different ways of editing. You can go back and decide, okay, which ones are awful? And sometimes it's very clear, like some are out of focus, and uh, so you mm-hmm. delete those. Or you could scan in a way like, which 10 are really interesting? Which is much harder. And so, you know, a folder mm-hmm. might be 2,000 photos. And you'd be like, right. okay, which 10 really captured to me? Even if I zoom out and they're all little thumbnails, which ones seem like, oh, yeah, those are the hits? <laughs> and and what, what's the result of that for you? Do you actually, you know, do you end up with better images or does it shift your memory? Or? It shifts my memory for <clears throat> sure. Like it, I, I, that's another thing that photography does is that if you save the highlights, then you remember things in a much happier way. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, that was a great year. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm just in this like. <clears throat> Do you ever look back I'm, at old photos? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know what I was gonna say is like, just like I was leading in with this. Um, the way I look back at old photos is like, I, when I log into Facebook, it's like seven years ago you took this photo. <laughs> um, oh man, are you still again, on Facebook? That's the only, actually, the only function I use. But on Do Facebook, you have yeah. no decency? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what I found, what I think is interesting about what that point is that, again, what I said, like, who takes the photo? So imagine you didn't take the photo. It was just Google taking the photos for you. And then it's like, 
10 years later, it's like, remember this? And you're like, no, I, I frankly, I didn't remember. And I, didn't I don't want to remember. That was the moment I was trying to forget. <laughs> well, also like Apple, when you use its uh, Photos app, it does this thing where it'll like put a collage together for you, like a little movie of like your memories. It'll be like, I created a new memory for you, it's called. I don't know if you've used yeah, this. Yeah. And it'll be like, California, Well, it doesn't work for me because I delete so many photos, so. Oh, okay. Well, so it starts to like try and do this, like algorithmically figure out like how to create a great memory reel for you. And again, like as we defer more and more of this to computers, I like, I wonder about the aesthetics, you know, what an artist's role is, like how, like most of that's being algorithmically generated. Like how does that affect culture, our memories? Like what is happening here? Like is it the the person who writes the algorithm or is it the AI that's the artist? For me, it's very interesting as a, I just have an obsession with getting rid of stuff I don't need. I've always mm-hmm. had that. Um, so for me, it's very gratifying, even if I'm on the train, to look back like, oh, what are the photos the last three months? And reduce 30%, 40%, whatever. And then look yeah. at the result and be like, oh, yeah, that's much better. Uh, and I'm sure I've deleted photos that maybe 40 years later would be like, oh, man. Um, but there's something... I don't know. There's something very interesting about making choices. I think uh, um, I would much yeah, rather have a, a rigorous the vision. Choice, yeah, mean. yeah. I don't know. I guess you because can just trust computers the are making choices all the time about what to record. Like you know, face tracking well, even cameras I think, are I in think, every uh, subway station. The modern iPhone takes and uh, and the modern the, uh, any smartphone takes doesn't take one photo it takes 24 frames and then takes the light from one and takes the color from another mm-hmm. and so we can't really speak about a decisive moment well that's where like my point about the iPhone camera that I haven't yet made but I kind of want to make is is really interesting and fun for me so this camera takes beautiful photos but it takes beautiful photos according to a bunch of really like cheesy commercial stereotypes about what a good photo is right so what's a good photo a good photo, according to our commercial standards, is like a really uh, shallow depth of field. That is to say, like the background is like, you know, super b- like blurry or they would call it like um, like kind of it, like inky in like a way. A like a long lens focused on an object nearby. Yeah. yeah. And then the and then the foreground subject is like is like not is super no, the, it's kind the of eyes flat are in focus sharp. but the nose and the hair is out yeah. of focus yeah <laughs> exactly and 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 there and there you can yeah you can see this like crystal detail in the eye like really you know like they're like gazing into your soul and the color is even across the whole image anyway like the you know everything there's 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 a there's great ambient light yeah there's in like the a little bit of highlight of the around face. the shoulders and the, yeah. yeah exactly exactly so what's funny is like that's also like algorithmically programmed into this thing you can even change the lighting on the photo you can change it afterwards but I, yeah yeah but what i find funny about all of this is just like that like if all of the photos look that way, I mean, clearly that will not be the photo that we well, want but, yeah. in two years. When so I, like, what, when I started photographing, photo? uh, um, a lot of my friends were skateboarding or playing in bands, and then I really liked mm-hmm. photographs from California with a fisheye lens. Yeah, and yeah. then you try to emulate that in the Netherlands, and the light. It, basically, when you take a skateboard photo, it, it's great if there's a, a drop shadow under the person, so you can see the the difference how far they jumped up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, but the Netherlands, there's nothing casts a shadow. The light is very even <laughs> through the clouds. So you, it, it, it's a big problem. So that idea of beauty is based on the California light as well. So you'll you'll try to do yeah. those sort of uh, Hollywood style photos, and then you're in a totally same. It's the same thing with the the business uh, men's suit. It's like it was yeah. created in in Western Europe. And then they colonize India and Brazil, and they have to wear the same clothing, but the climate is not the same. So right. Yeah. Well, I'm just reminded that, like, you know, these. You're right. These like different aesthetics emerge from a time and place, and are usually a reaction. So good photography or the f- photographic style that we like sort of attach to every you know moment or decade is related to the technologies that are available at the time. Like I'm thinking flash photography, which was considered like you know revolutionary in a moment, but then like like the, an example of bad you know, home consumer cameras eventually became high fashion photography, right? Yeah, where exactly. It's like, and it, it, where there's it, like a really bad shadow and it's yeah. the, the subject's overlit. And, and, and also like these that. tricks of using a flash even in full daylight because it, um, 
Mm-hmm. It, it blows out the any wrinkles you have. It just you don't have any shadows in your face. Right, right. So like these aesthetics, you know, sometimes what's high becomes uh, unappealing at a commercial level. So I really like probably with the iPhone ten. My anticipation is that like we'll be like sick of um, that style within like I don't know a couple of years, and then I wonder like you know what's next. Like so probably we should be looking at whatever the worst thing is right now <laughs> like well, whatever maybe, you think is like the worst like blackberry style. cameras would come back in style and then people will carry a blackberry next to their new phone like how vhs was like yeah. or that vhs kind of like tv static style was well, like it's yeah. still like an aesthetic For sure, too much resolution is not very flattering so <clears throat> yeah but i yeah i'm just not sure like because the reason i asked the question is because there's so much fragmentation in terms of aesthetic now so it's like I just mentioned that one iPhone aesthetic, but actually I mentioned the GoPro aesthetic. Yeah. There's like the snap aesthetic. Well, there's, like- there's also evolutionary biology where you can look at what people find attractive. And that's very deeply. Uh, it, it's it's um, there are trends in what's attractive, but I still think if you can figure out a camera that makes you look handsome, then everybody wants that camera. Mm. And so a lot of people will think that the. The Snapchat filters that make your eyes bigger and stuff are, are cheesy, but still a lot of people opt to, to, to... Like, I think Samsung had all those features and then iPhone people were like, ugh, that's tacky, and now they use them as well. But I think Snap uh, figured this out as well. Like, when they bought Bitmoji, they realized that the future of photography wasn't the photo itself, it was the representation yeah. of the, the photo, right? Like, so it's a ca- like an illustration is a photo. Yeah, in too terms much of reality is not, the, mm-hmm. not nice. And, you know, their forays into augmented reality are really about, and this is where I think it's interesting to speculate a little bit, are really about, like, the future of photography is really about blurring the lines between reality and surreality. And I think you start to see, you're seeing it in cinema now and films where, like, you know, the present day is so horrible and, and disgusting and we all, you know, the dystopia we live in is unbearable. So reality is actually something we're turning away from. And in my opinion, like, kind of the next aesthetic wave is is in the surreal again I mean, which we've seen before it right in the after the second world war and things like that but like <clears throat> so you know potentially augmented reality or ways of extending reality um which you see snapchat trying to do are 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 an aesthetic response to disgust with present reality i, th- I think the next i think it's hard to even aesthetic. speak about trends because feels like everything happens at the same time there will there will be like like very dry documentary (laughs) photography and david lachapelle imaginative play world photography and Raphael, what about what about the trend spotters that listen to this podcast we know we have a trend spotting audience well (laughs) they want to listen to (laughs) middle-aged internet artists talk about the trends (laughs) the new trend is everything It is really, obviously really hard, and that's why I was trying to make a point that like photo- photography can no longer be summarized by a single camera or a single point of view. Um, it's become like everything. But so. Uh, um, so you, photography plays a role in your work, but not that much as it used to be, because you for, it, for me and myself because you you decide not to record your performances and you're not making movies. Yeah, but like um, I've always thought about how I represent and distribute myself, and like uh, the idea of presence without being present is something that I'm always ex- really interested in exploring as the antithesis of you know live performance in the ephemeral. So like this augmented reality greeter thing that I'm doing, the idea there is really like you know for me anyway. What's interesting about it is like ha- um, because the model's going to be animated and I can control it using like we're creating a setup using my Oculus Rift. So I have motion capture at home. Uh, how can I be present or like, you know, poorly present um, in facsimile mm-hmm. versus actually being present, which I think is like, you should make a cut ultimately what a photograph, but that's what a photograph is all about at yeah. the end of the day. It's like a ghost, right? It's like this, like it's this image of something that it's immediately dead. Right. But it's also lives forever. Well, um, yeah. And it's, it's in some ways it lives more than the actual person. So, uh, Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, what, and you, you know, don't really Lamar think of photos well. being dead anymore because it, because of memes. So a mm-hmm. photo is, is not a, a definite thing. It's like captured and you can change stuff and you can add different text and then maybe uh, add another photo into it. So mm-hmm. an image doesn't stop. Yeah, of course. And like we've talked about this. Well, we can think know, of memes as photography, yeah. 
and of course there's like famous like re like you know re-photographing like Richard Prince has done or like um or like even reconceptual re like kind of staging as Yeah, Cindy but also in, in just in uh apps where people rephotograph things and they get shittier and shittier and resized mm-hmm. and resized and edited and right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like the origins of collage, though, like you kind of inform that, I think, probably as well. Um, that I mean, ultimately, it's just image making. I like if you're just at the yeah, end of the day, yeah. and and if we go back though to our original trajectory, which is like photography disrupted painting, I really feel like photography is yeah. painting again. Francis Ford Coppola was saying that cinema used to be a photographic medium and now it's a painterly medium, really. Why was he saying that? Because of CG. So you, you're not shooting oh. a photo, you're, you're shooting material to paint with. Right. And so if everything's being captured all the time, then really what we're doing is we're just using, as Namjoon Pike would say, TV is just a painter's palette, um, and you're just using it, it as a material. It all comes back to Namjoon. Well, Namjoon. <laughs> Old Namjoon. <laughs> Rest in peace, Namjoon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a pioneer. But, but did he uh, yeah. use his own image in his work sometimes? Um, Namjoon, yeah. Did he... Well, he, not really, How actually. How was he in the selfie like, game? <clears throat> Namjoon did, uh, like, record others. He recorded from his point of view. Um, trying to think of... Because a, a lot of people, Namjoon when the, when the video camera came around, the first thing they did was sort of look into it and yeah. look at the monitor at the same time. and yeah, Yeah, performance for the camera. And that was really about also, like performing for the cultural stack that is to say the television industrial complex like being a part of that um because that was the birth of personal media but namjoon actually you're right um i because i often talk about him and I, i show i have a portrait that i show of him of his head poking through a broken television but he's not in uh his work very seldom he is anyway because he was also using the television like television media like television ads and things as like collage material for these like you know if you've yeah. seen some of well, his like um, may, may, jam what i'm trying to get at is that um some photographers opt to be uh, some artists choose to be photographed as little as possible mm-hmm. like solowit didn't do interviews and tried not to be photographed and then the the opposite end of the spectrum is someone like dali who highly manipulated his public image and would um his whole outfits and mustache and facial expression, everything was designed to attract attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's interesting to me about selfies and self-portraiture online is that you feel self-conscious doing it, but when I see other artists doing it, I really enjoy seeing their image. It never annoys me the fact that they photograph themselves. Yeah, I think it's an it's a good point. It's an interesting point um, because they're definitely the photos that you know you generate the most likes and the, but also the most criticism culturally speaking, right? I've always argued though that the selfie is like a really powerful thing that we deserve a political right to, and anyone that shames you for a selfie is a part of like sort of like the hegemonic. Yeah, like, maybe what it is is capitalist power. If you find the person interesting, then you don't mind seeing photos of that person. If you don't vibe with the person anyways, then the more selfies, the more annoyed. And so. Yeah, but for me the selfie represents, you know, if you think about that personal media trajectory, the selfie has always represented our right to be a part of the media, right? And like no matter who you are, you have your voice. It's like graffiti. Your voice matters, right? Graffiti yeah, is like the, the same with graffiti, you could you could space. say, "Hey, I don't want this in my neighborhood." Yeah, but public space belongs to all of us, and I think that I mean the selfie. Yeah, but would you would you want the internet belongs to all of us? If you you have a cabin somewhere out in the countryside, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How would you feel if that got graffitied? How would I feel? Yeah, I mean, is is that public space? That's true. Well, yeah, I mean, a separate podcast issue probably (laughs) is private versus public space, and like there should really be no private space. Probably, if you think about it. Uh, conceptually, it's like well, as soon as you have private space, it's like ugh. Then it's like some people are have it and others don't. And okay, so then you, you the get to the, if property is uh, a if sin. you want to go down that political rabbit hole yeah. for sure, it ends up at like we have to k- kind of stop having children. <laughs> like we should probably probably all just like you know decide to die. But but, you, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you don't post so many selfies, yeah. do you? 
I I I do it from time to time. I mean, I I'm self conscious that I don't do it more, and I've been thinking about it as I take selfies, and I'm like, oh, I don't like that image. As I've gotten older, to your point earlier, and as cameras have gotten maybe sharper or something. Um, oh no, I'm just looking on Instagram now because I stopped following people on Instagram, so I hadn't fo- seen your updates, but now I can see your volumetric scan and everything. So you kind of mm-hmm. look like a video game character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I and I also like. Um, the way they did that is like, well, we took multiple shots, but I, I wanted to appear a little bit cartoonish. So I, like, I, I eventually like settled on that expression, which is incredibly creepy <laughs> of me with like wide open eyes yeah. and smile. Yeah, it's great. And it's um, funny how far the glasses seem to stick out from your face. Well, I put those glasses on after. I think I have to tweak those. Oh, a bit. okay. <laughs> no, I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, the selfie for me, I, like, I'm inspired by Cindy Sherman taking selfies as she's getting older, but one thing she's doing is really think of it as painting and that she's adding, like, crazy effects and having fun with it. And I think I've often joked that the my cure for aging uh, would be, and maybe it's just, like, to just, like, love the wrinkles or whatever. Like, I, I saw a Bjork... Um, a Bjork video a, a few let me just a couple of years ago she came out with a VR video have you seen this and she's like on the rocks yeah, yeah, in yeah, Iceland and you can you kind of get really close up to her in a way that's really intimate and unsettling and then you notice that Bjork's getting old but you're used to seeing Bjork in this like computer retouched way that has like made well, her seem like well that's also that pop stars usually are remembered as they were when they were young Right, but like in that video, I actually found it the most beautiful video she's ever made. There's almost no special effects, and she seems vulnerable for the first time. But my th- my um, theory is that pop music mostly is based on, on youthful energy, um, mm-hmm. so we remember artists at the peak of their creativity. Right, that's like the Hedy Lamarr story too. Yeah, so you remember pop stars uh, when they were young, and it it, it even. Um, from a PR perspective, it's best that you die young and just be like a James Dean or Marilyn Monroe and you're just forever young. <laughs> and and then if you remember Picasso or um, an ar- a famous architect, you probably remember them older. Mm-hmm. Or men are typically remembered when no, they're older. No, I, I, I think even Frida Kahlo, you probably... Uh, uh, I guess Louise Bourgeois. Yeah, remember you remember her, her as being old because that's the moment that she... Uh, was was seen the most and was most remembered and when there was the most attention. Um, mm-hmm. So so people, but, but, no matter but, but what, will decide it, who you are. And, and, and this is this is a very unscientific, uh, uh, unempiric theory. But my my theory is that the brain is much more ready for pop music energy when you're young. So then you uh, and and the art part of your brain and then especially the architecture part of the brain. You probably on average people are a lot older when they start to appreciate. Uh, architecture mm-hmm. so it's it's like a more rational part of the brain and a more calm and yeah well here's a, another hypothesis though which is like if there were more old people on social media then images of us as <laughs> they're old. all on facebook <laughs> sharing, <laughs> right. sharing political articles just sharing like old selfies <laughs> like old person selfies <laughs> I don't no, know. I think or, like or maybe, maybe in in fifty years it'll just be old people taking selfies because young people are like selfies are lame. Yeah, I actually like think that 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 could happen. I mean, at a certain point when it just becomes same with so tattoos, pervasive. it's like oh, that's for old people. Well, tattoos, yeah, it's crazy, right? Like that definitely went from being a subcultural kind of thing to being like a mainstream. Oh, you don't have a tattoo? <laughs> like it's exceptional not to yeah. have a tattoo. It's exceptional not uh, to take pictures of yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The statement now seems to be. G- you well, know, definitely get being off of, off of Facebook media. is a statement more than being on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right. And and not having tattoos and being like straight edge yeah. <laughs> is also a statement. Anyway, I don't... I, but, I mean, it, I, it, and, um, but maybe the question with the image. So when you're a pop star or an actor, you need a headshot. That's very clear. Mm-hmm. Yes. But when you're a visual artist, you don't necessarily think... Of, yes, you do. I mean, I get asked for it constantly. Like every week, I have to send out a, a yeah, headshot. Yeah. Okay. Like a and then, headshot. and then the question is, what do you want for a headshot? Do you do you want the do you want to smile? Do you want to look serious? Mm-hmm. Do you want it black and white or color? Or do you want to be in a forest people, or in your studio? A, yeah. 
Yeah, I think like um, if you're if you have a bad photo and then you think just making it black and white makes it look good. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I've always just used my artwork as my headshot, but that's just because um, I have the opportunity to have good um, good shots of myself from my art, and I take selfies as artwork. But uh, I think I mean, there's no right way to do it. I, I assume someone could just send in a picture of like a, a broccoli or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. The same with the bitmoji, where you're like I don't want to be too real. Well, you know, famously, of course, like people really judge you by the way, uh, by your, by your face and by your image, right? Like, um, you know, in, in most workplaces, uh, you know, it, it became like illegal to ask uh, candidates for a photo for a headshot. Yeah. yeah. Outside of, for some You're reason, be in the art world, it's like Amazon still permissible. Send us a headshot. <laughs> Yeah. No, but but it, no. It, well, it's, it's weird. It it's is, weird that it, in some workplaces it's wait, still allowed. It, it's it's funny the meaning of the word image because you can think of an image as a single rectangular uh, photographic mm-hmm. image, or you th- can think of the image of the artist. Like, what's the spirit around the artist? Where do they go for dinner? Where do they shop? Uh, where what do they have? Uh, what time do they go to bed? Like, and I've noticed. Um, I see a lot of exhibitions, but as I get older, I'm more interested in the life of the artist than the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you have the same thing, but I'm interested. Like, oh, did they? No, we've did, talked about this. Yeah, before. did they live in a commune, or did they have a family, or were they by themselves, or were they in the desert, or were they in the city? And yeah, that's where I always say, you know, getting at the body is more relevant. And when I say body, I don't necessarily just mean literal body, but like body exists for me anyway in time. That is more of more or greater value. Yeah. I think also when everything is available, like the body or one's unique point of view on the body is like the most relevant. Like, so, um, and that's why lived experience you, is so privileged too. Like if you spent time with an artist, wouldn't that be like the greatest? Yeah. Thing? Like so then the, the argument for complete surveillance and image recording at all times. So, you, but, the, but that's why like, it, like if you see culturally speaking, like what is the gesture when you go to what? So a concert, Going to a concert is more relevant than listening to the album, right? The recording is no longer the I privileged disagree. thing. Well, I'm just saying, like, as far, as far as what you pay for, you know, uh, from a ticket perspective, like, I went to go see a basketball game. It was $150 a ticket. I could have watched it at home for free, right? Um, even though from, like, my venue in the basketball stadium, I but was, the like, concert is cooler back. if you already listen to the album beforehand. Sure. But then when you get there, what's the thing you want to do most? You want to get to the front row and you want to touch the performer. You want to record like you it want with to make, your phone. You, well, you want to make physical contact. Like if, if you had a choice between like Jay-Z like, or Beyonce, like touching your shoulder or holding your hand versus but, but like what if they have photo- a weird photographing him. They, but they don't. Okay. And every fan, every fan does want to touch. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like this is it's funny in relationship to photography right like if all all everything is recorded all is available all intimacy is documented like what people want is experiences right which you hear millennials want experiences not um things then like the experience they want is like kind of crazy and you see this in like the way people behave too which is like they want physical access to that yeah there's there's a chapter <laughs> in american psycho where patrick bateman talks about how much he hates live concerts and how uh, CDs are so much more perfect and everything's engineered and he enjoys that much more. He, he doesn't want to hear mm-hmm. the flaws. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I hate to say it though too, which is like um, ultimately physical consumption, the way it pr- represents itself in society is like, well, I'm not going to go. Well, and, it's a, it's a re- yeah, and, and there's the problem of image that uh, what I'm talking about, like how do you re- represent yourself as an artist? Uh, that's everybody now. Everybody's thinking about how do you present yourself to the world? And then you get to the problem that you might be so good at presenting yourself publicly that uh, you become very shy and it's hard to just appear as a person in in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like existing, yeah, exactly. We're now most vulnerable is, is kind of what I was getting at in in our like actual presence um, and and very uncomfortable. Like even in presence, we feel the need to document the present um, instead of, you know, and, and being actually being present is, is like something people talk about a lot. Now, if you look at the, like the, just generally the, the public sphere, um, whether it's around stoicism or meditation, the idea of presence and being present without any other desire mm. um, 
it was funny. I had coffee with a friend and he, he was telling me how he was like working really hard not to work for the first time in his life. And he went and saw a therapist because he's like, I don't understand. Like I'm, I'm working all the time and like um, I, I feel this drive and, and I can't escape it. And I don't know, like I can't sit still and I have kids now and like I just want to be working. And so he he discovered that like he he just had this tremendous fear of stopping and she came up with this really great idea for him which was like to take that that whoever that person was that was like on his shoulder being like you got to be working you got to be doing your next project and and turn that into a person that you have a conversation with so he called this like nihilistic persona niles (laughs) and um and every time he feels that way he has a conversation with niles uh, you know, like, shouldn't you be doing something else? Shouldn't you be, you know, every time he has that fear of missing and, out. And did he thing. question whether... And uh, what he discovered... Okay, sorry, yeah. No, no, no. Well, he, he discovered that Niles is like, um, can be kind of knocked over pretty easily, right? Like, yeah, Niles doesn't I, have any power I'm, I'm sometimes a little bit suspicious of this uh, trend of people saying we need to slow down and we need to be calm. And like, it's almost like you're... St- you know when you sell um, brain, uh, what do you call those? Not energy pills, but focus pills. And this idea of like, oh, you could be ten times better, and you're only using ten percent of your brain. But if you take our pills, mm-hmm. you use twenty five percent. And so this idea of selling calm to people is like, maybe you weren't meant to be happy and calm, and maybe that's fine. So don't worry about it. But I think that that's actually what he was discovering. Is like, really universally speaking none of it matters if you're not at, you know, kind of at peace and you're not bringing your whole self to whatever you're doing. Yeah. Well, no, no, that's Um, what I'm questioning. Like, like, do you have to be at peace? Do you have to be your whole self? I don't know. I guess it's a personal choice. It's like, dude, not everybody is uh, the dude from the big Lebowski and that's okay. Yeah. I think you have to be, or you don't have to be, but you have, you should have the right to make a choice. Well, my suspicion is that we're being, uh, sold, that you have to be a guru and calm and happy and, uh, and that that's the mm-hmm. ultimate goal. And, it, it, you know, not everybody can play basketball and not everybody can be chill. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And not everyone wants to document every moment. <laughs> of their yeah, lives. yeah just, uh, there's always something being sold, I guess. We've drifted off uh, our point, but I think... I don't, Which is I don't the nature the of photography now. It just drifts into everything. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's a good point. Um, is really that it seeped into every aspect of every photography is like cultural... water. It just it's yeah, just, it, it's true. Yeah. It it it, it like, rains and then it evaporates and then you take a shower and then you drink some and you make tea and then it goes in the river and it goes in the ocean. And you go swimming. That's what photography is now. Well, that's what I'm feeling right now. Like we haven't even scratched the surface. We haven't talked about Moy Bridge or like the history of photography and like. There's just so much more to talk about, but ultimately it's because it's been there all along, right? Like it's been at the center of every discussion and it will continue to be probably um, for the foreseeable future because it's really the mirror, right? I always tell um, photographers, photography students, if you want to make money, make people look good. mm -hmm. But everyone does it, right? Like that's been photography's challenge as well. Yeah, but some people do it better than others. mm -hmm. I mean, I've been hiring a lot of photographers recently, I'll tell you that. Like, um, What for? Because, uh, just to take photos of your of <laughs> for, your staff, for, yeah, for my like um, for my for my yeah for my my companies that, for um, your internet art startup, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and uh, I really like it. it's liberating for me not to take the photos or not to ask someone else to take photos. It's like, yeah, oh, like a human but being, but the artist can't do it themselves. It has to be someone else. Yeah, that's what that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try the the follow you around drone thing? I haven't. I haven't. I have a drone with a camera on it that's kind of crappy, and I've I've posted. I was really excited about. It. I took a family portrait of it, my family when I first got it because I was like, this is what family portraits will look like in the future. Um, this is what weddings will look like in the future. And actually, that's by and large uh, come true from yeah, the wedding standpoint. It's, I don't it's know funny because the, the 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 drone was like this cool hacktivist media art thing of like we're gonna fight the man with their own tools and we're gonna put the surveillance on them and then it turned out to be wedding photography is the key the yeah. killer app <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's either gonna be there's only two directions for any new photographic media <laughs> porn porn or weddings yeah. we didn't even talk about vr in relation to photography but that's a story for another oh, day. VR. Um, do you have hopes for vr 
I think um, I think it's going to find some 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 kind of it, it's finding a path already. I went to a VR arcade. Wait, wait, which which last week. do you have more faith in in VR or blockchain? Oh, um, yeah, like both are not going to go anywhere, but neither will be like the thing that you think. How is your Bitcoin not, going? <laughs> my Bitcoin is still like worth half of its yeah, original. It value. went up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll check back in a year yeah. and see if it's different. I got a hodl. <laughs> um, yeah, so that I guess that's this week's podcast. Yeah. We didn't have any ads this week. As usual, um, we do. We have can't a even sell recording. a free ad. Yeah, free. <laughs> I think that's yeah. We got to make it exclusive. It's actually, from now, actually, in two weeks, we're gonna raise the price to a thousand dollars per ad. You better get $1, your thousand dollars per word. Yeah. You got to create some urgency. Yeah. Um, anyway, we do have a field recording um, from Forest Workaday, who sent us a lot of field recordings before. Did we post any of yeah. these? We have a folder with. A, I don't know. We have a folder with a lot of field recordings, and then we forget which one is which. And yeah. well, anyway. Um, Forrest says, um, hi guys, I'm really enjoying the podcast. Keep up the good work. I was having trouble finding the good point email on your site, which I'm emailing your personal emails. That's because actually we make that intentional. So you have to like find out a little bit more about us. Uh, I've been collecting instances where I hear Bob Marley in public spaces. I'm not exactly sure what the goal is yet. My last thought was to try and capture every song from his best of album. The field recording attached is from an Ethiopian restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. There is a live performer in the restaurant performing covers. I think it was the only Bob Marley he played. It's recorded on my phone, so it's a little harsh. I hope you can use it. Um, thanks for the great conversation, Thank you, Forrest. Forrest. Thanks, Forrest. So listen to this kind of garbled, <laughs> like busy Ethiopian restaurant playing Bob Marley. It's a bit of a, quite a mashup when you think I about had, that. I um, had some Ethiopian in, vegan in, in Brooklyn. It was good. Maybe it was that place. I love Yeah, I love Ethiopian food. Yeah. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, I love those like sour pancakes. Yeah. Um, Thank you, everybody. Anyway, thanks for us. Th- thanks for everyone for listening. We're short on field recording, so if you have a field recording, uh, you can send it to us. If you're looking for our emails, just click on either my name or Raphael's name on goodpointpodcast.com. No, don't tell them. It's a challenge. They have to find it. Oh, uh, it's a challenge. Okay, yeah. yeah. You have to fight for it. Yeah. Uh, you can also buy mugs, T-shirts, help us uh, fund the website, basically. Yeah. That's what we pay for our hosting costs with. Um, anyway, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.